0: Welcome to the Utah Women and Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about childcare in Utah, which is a topic of one of our most recent research snapshots. I'm Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the lead researcher of the Research Snapshot series here at the project. I first would like to start and just read a little bit of the introduction of our snapshot because I think it sets the stage well. Child care is an important consideration for millions of American families. 71% of all women with children under 18 are in the labor force, comprising one-third of the total of female workforce in the United States. And child care costs are becoming increasingly burdensome. In the United States generally, and in 33 states specifically, including Utah, the annual cost of child care is higher than the cost of in-state tuition at a four-year public college. I find that so so interesting. Although child care is a family and community issue, women often bear the primary responsibility for managing child care. And in the case of female heads of household, women may carry both breadwinning and caregiving duties with very little support. And Robin, you did so much research to dig up data, and there's so much data out there, right? Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: This is a really important topic, and this is something we're hearing uh people talk about a lot. I've noticed this so much recently. Businesses, Just even the last year. Oh, yes, absolutely. Businesses, families, and uh, government organizations, policymakers are really talking about how critical it is for us to really look at and work on this child care issue. And there are some really important reasons why. As you mentioned before about the millions of American women who are working but also have young children, 65%... Of of US children under the age of six had all available parents in the workforce wow. last year, and so that that means in a two-parent household, both parents are working. And of course, we we can't forget about the many, many single-parent households. Absolutely, and that means and and most of those them are women. We, it's twice as likely to have a single woman in the home with children than as to have a single man in the home. So in the in Utah, that number is quite a bit lower. It's at fifty-two percent. We're actually the lowest in the nation for uh, the percent of kids that have all available parents working. But that's still 1 out of 2. That is still that half is. the kids in the state of Utah have all their par- all their available parents in the workforce and that's for kids under the age of 6. Yeah. As the kids get a little older that number definitely goes up. And so when we're talking about why is childcare so important? It's affecting half the kids in the state of Utah and making sure that we have high quality available, affordable child care for the kids in the state is absolutely crucial, not only for their own individual well-being, but for the well-being of our economy and our
0: educational systems and our families and communities within the state. And it really relates to so many. I know some of the topics people say, well, this relates to, to companies. But workforces are in all industries, including, you know, for-profit businesses, nonprofit, even some churches, Grass- government, like our schools, politics, right? go- our teachers. Yeah. I mean, this relates to the maturity of families here in the state of Utah. Oh, absolutely, And it's really an issue. And and I know in past years, I have had people push back, even from the legislature, but people saying, this, this is a family issue. It's a woman's issue. It's really not something. Something We should have to deal with in terms of policy. What would you say to push back? I would say that that was
1: an extremely short sighted <laughs> perspective. Because as we just mentioned, the, our, our kids are today's future labor force. Right,
0: absolutely. And if they're not
1: getting the quality of care that they deserve and need, what is our labor force? How are we going to employ people to create thriving businesses in the future? How are we going to prepare future leaders who are going yeah. to be our future legislators? We need to get them in good quality childcare so they can make
0: smarter <laughs> comments than the one that you just shared with us. <laughs> oh, thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. It really is so in- so important for families, and so much of our population is at forty six percent of the workers in Utah, full-time workers or women. It's close to that. The last numbers that I looked at were 44, but it's
1: right there. And we as a state
0: really tout that we are a family state, and we like to welcome children into our state. Did you like how I said that? (laughs) And so it makes it an issue that if we want to really keep this as a family state, which I'm here because of that, um, then we need to think about supporting women in different ways and supporting men. Men, uh, we have single men in this state and and of course men who really engage and and take part of their family decisions uh, and childcare is one of those as well. So you've given a few statistics, but what does the childcare situation look like in Utah right now? And are there enough spots in childcare for all of our children? I I would say no. Uh, we know that one. But tell me a little bit more about what we have found and and published on in terms of what it looks like in Utah. So what the research shows is there are more than one hundred and fifty thousand kids
1: under the age of six in the state of Utah that are potentially needing childcare. And we only have about 41,000 slots in formal childcare programs and only 22,000 slots in programs that are licensed by the state. And licensing only requires certain minimum, minimum standards of safety. They don't necessarily guarantee high quality, like high quality education or anything going on there. It just means that they're making sure that kids are safe, that they've got the adequate number of adults ratio to children and things like that. So we're looking at, you know, two thirds of the kids in our state that are needing this child care are not able to find one in a formally licensed center or even a, you know, a formal child care program. So a hundred thousand kids are being watched in other ways. So this gap between the number of children that are needing care and the number of slots available means that so many kids are being watched in really informal settings. And in a Which lot of- It can be okay absolutely. sometimes. Yeah, in, in some cases it might be ideal, right? Yeah. As far as affordability care, uh, the care for the child, right? If a grandmother or a loving neighbor or someone is being with your kid, you can feel really comfortable and confident about, um, where they are and how they're being watched. But we'll talk about this a little bit more later in this broadcast, but there are definitely some issues and some concerns when we look at this informal care as well. So we know that there's absolutely a shortage of available child care in the state. So one of the reasons why this is so important to understand this gap in availability versus the need is that it actually affects parents' decision-making about their professional and employment opportunities that they pursue. A recent survey showed that 30% of parents had reduced their work hours. The because of childcare availability. And 44% said that they would pursue different educational or professional pursuits if there were better access to childcare. So I this is this, really important. I,
0: I hear that all the time from women, you know, and they choose around even promotions. If they're going to need to work an extra 10 or 15, 20 hours a week, they're just gonna choose to not do that. So I, I've sure heard that from a lot of women here in Utah. So let's talk a little bit about the rankings. So in our briefs and our snapshots, we often, in fact, all the time, we compare you to the nation to see where we're at and where we need to improve and where we're doing well, I should right. say. So let's change the conversation and really shift into that. First of all, I noticed there's so many reports, at least three or four, it seemed, that they rank states differently. Right. And in one of the reports, Utah's ranked as the second least affordable state for infant and toddler care in a center and the third least affordable state for infant care in a family care setting. So I find that very interesting. Yet in some other rankings, we didn't rank quite as low. Right. And so some even showed us more. ranking
1: yeah. as the second most affordable state in the mm-hmm. country. So the differences are looking at the types of care that's being given for the ages of the children. Infant care is much more expensive than care for four-year-olds. And that's some of them will base this on a four-year-old care. And so that's why we're ranking differently. So it's important when you when we're each looking at these rankings to understand what factors they were considering. In terms of costs, how do subsidies work? Well, that's a really great question. Question. Childcare Child care is so expensive within the state of Utah as it is everywhere nationally. It's more expensive than a year of tuition at a public university, as you mentioned before. It's almost as expensive as rent and housing costs for a, for a medium income family. And if you have two children in co- child care, the costs are way higher than housing. And so what happens in the state is for families that are lower income families, there are subsidies available. And in fact, in the last year, over $60 million were given in child care subsidies for families which can really make a huge difference because a minimum wage earning family would be spending more than half of their income on child care that's just absolutely not sustainable so there are things that are helping but what happens is the is the drop-off the cutoff is immediate so a family with two little kids earning forty thousand dollars a year could be spending only ten percent of their income on child care if their income goes up two thousand dollars then all of a sudden they're spending 30 percent of their income on child care because they lose all their subsidies so this oh. is something that state agencies are working on finding a way to reduce it more gradually, because those families can suddenly take a
0: huge hit. If they get a little pay raise, it changes so much in their family economy. That's so interesting. And I know this issue is not just for a few people. I mean, it's we're talking thousands of families in the state of Utah. So let's actually switch and talk about child care providers. Now, one of the things that's always been kind of confusing to me and others, and probably to you as well, is that we talk about how expensive child Child care is yet when we really look at child care providers especially in the state of Utah many of them live in poverty absolutely so that's confusing
1: it's a really difficult situation it's a conundrum actually because child care is so expensive families need support and relief when it comes to this but the child care providers many of them are already making such low wages we find that in the state of Utah the annual median wage for child care workers is far below the state average it's 20 2000 a year versus the state average so, of 36000 so a year. Wow. And so who's providing childcare in the state? Women are providing the childcare, <laughs> of course. And it's one of the it's one of the factors that brings up our gender wage gap because so many women are providing this childcare, but their pay is actually very low. And this is where more creative solutions need to come into yeah. play because the straight across, you know, family pay for child care, it's absolutely right. Subsidies, businesses chipping in, government organizations, community organizations can really help make this a win-win situation for families and providers because a straight across uh, exchange it just doesn't work for either one
0: and one of the concerns that i really had is is looking at who's providing the child care and particularly the education of those people that are providing. That was a fascinating
1: finding in our research, particularly with informal caregivers. We found that a recent survey of caregivers in their own homes doing it for family or neighbors or friends, 75% of them only had a high school degree. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these women are providing care. They have experience taking care of their own children, which is super important. But so many of them said, I would love additional training. I would love additional education."
0: so I could do a better job. What we know is that infants start learning from the day that they're born. And that's a that's a critical issue. And actually that issue has been discussed the last two, three years in the state and early childhood development, early learning. And it used to be that, and still people say, you know, babysitting or childcare, when now there's really a higher expectation because the research says that infants start learning, yeah. how much you talk to them, the reading, all of those things. And so now it's not just putting your kid into childcare for eight hours and having someone watch them. it's We need, actually, education for our even infants, let alone toddlers, right? Absolutely, yes. And a
1: third of the providers in the state who are actually in licensed and registered care centers are part of the state's professional development program for child caregivers, which is focusing on higher education and things like that. And the state really wants to make sure that more of these caregivers are getting that additional education because then they can be better equipped to really educate these children from early ages.
0: And we really worked with and got lots of information from the state Office of Child Care. Yes, they've been fantastic. And they are really on top of these issues and really concerned and working on these issues to really help move the needle in terms of child care in the state, which we need some help. We need some movement. We need more education, right? Right, absolutely. Because a lot of people that you know, are going to work full-time or have their first baby, they don't have a clue. They just aren't in the conversation and don't know what might be available to help
1: them. Yes, and there are a lot of great resources. So it's important for us, that's why we're doing conversations like this, is to make sure we get the word out to people who need the information about what sorts of resources are available to help them.
0: So we have a section in our research um, snapshot on campuses. And that's such an interesting topic to me. As as many listeners know, for the last decade, I've been having a loud voice. We saw women going to college, so from high school straight to college. You know, staying in college, but also getting women who didn't finish their degrees back to college, and most of them have children. Right? Yeah. Tell us about the results. I know some of the campuses. We have at least I'm I'm remembering about six campuses out of six out of the eight main institutions of higher education
1: public, the public within yeah. the state have some sort of childcare availability on campus for their own students. But it varies widely. Some of them only start taking students at ages three or four. Mm. Some others take student, I mean, children, sorry, as early as the age of six weeks. But the availability, the main issue here, they're going to be high quality, because a lot of them are partnered with the early childhood education programs on the campuses. And so the students are getting their own in-service training as they're caring for the children of other students, which is wonderful. Which is wonderful, yes. But we've learned that the affordability can be difficult, even though many of them do have a sliding scale. But the other issue is the availability is just way understaffed.
0: I know. At UVU, we actually have, I think they're increasing because there's some grants for some of the campuses. But in our report, we say 110. So 110 is great for children. How many students? We're like way over (laughs) 30,000 students now. And um I wish I knew the statistics, but, you know, a good chunk of those students have children, right? Absolutely. Especially women who are doing the main caregiving don't feel like they can come back to school. They can maybe do online, but sometimes you need to be back in the classroom. Absolutely.
1: And do you know, this brings up a really important point. Uh, some student researchers did a project recently at UVU talking to student parents and about their own feelings about putting their kids in childcare so they could finish their own college education. Was it mainly women or did they
0: interview men too? It was
1: mainly Mainly women, but there were also some men in the study. But one of the things that they found is that these students felt great senses of guilt and anxiety about putting their kids into childcare. But one thing that was really encouraging about this study was once these students had solved their childcare issue, once they had an acceptable, workable solution for their families, all of a sudden they had increased sense of confidence and and their stress really reduced and their anxiety reduced. So what we know is That's that so
0: important. I work and taught classes about work and life and work at family and those kinds of things. And when you're stressed, when you're worried, you actually, the adult learning, you don't learn as well. Yeah. So it's great to know that these um, child care centers on the college
1: campuses have the opportunity of helping students work through these solutions. So it's uh, better for everyone. So there's some great um, opportunities there to increase the ability for these young mothers to finish their college degrees, which we know is absolutely critical. And through the
0: years, I've done a a couple of research projects. uh, One of them, almost 10 years, ago that looked at why women weren't graduating from college. And one is because there's a perception that you can't do multiple things. And when I speak, I call it, they cannot live a life of integration. They do not see a life of integration. And many of our young women in this state, when they have that baby, they kind of drop out of college and don't see the different kinds of options. Yet there are options, some options on campuses, and there are creative options for childcare anyway. Just my own experience, I did a master's degree with two little kids. I did a doctorate degree with four kids and was able during my master's work with two little kids trade and teach piano lessons for for a family in uh, my LDS ward. She watched my two boys, and I taught piano lessons, and we kind of swapped, and I was able to continue my education. So sometimes we look at things cut and dry, like I have to stop school, and maybe when all my kids are older and in school, and I think those things are, you know, just important to think about, being creative, knowing that there are some options out there and all will not be on college campuses, right? Absolutely. That's a fantastic story. I love that. And it just goes to show
1: that there are so many different ways that different stakeholders can be involved in this. One of the important demographics that we were looking at as we were studying this is that so many young women, and this has happened for the past 20 years, have relied on their own mothers yes. to care for their children. And one thing that uh, that we're learning from the demographics of the state is that just is not going to be sustainable long term. We're going to have to find different solutions because in the first place, more women are working yes, and they're staying in the workforce longer. So there just aren't going to be the grandmas around who can by default take care of their grandchildren, even if they'd love to. (laughs) Right. But you're working full time. You're not going to be available to do that. And also, we're just going to have fewer grandmothers as the baby boomers become no longer interested or able to take care of their grandchildren and the millennials come up. It's just going to be a different scenario. And so it's important for, again, as we mentioned, for Thank mm-hmm. you government entities, for these public institutions, for businesses to really get involved. I think there's a huge opportunity there. As we talked about before, the the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce has made this one of their huge priorities for the year. Because with this tight labor market, and our higher than average number of children that we have in the state, it's a business imperative for them to to get involved and say, how can we help our employees, women and men, with their childcare needs? And
0: in past years, it's been separated. The work life or the work family has really been separated. And businesses have said, that's That's not my job. I mean, why would I do that? But these days, uh, again, because of the tight labor force, businesses are being more creative. Not enough. Right. Not enough. A lot of work needs to be done. But if they want to
1: recruit and retain the top talent, the smart
0: businesses will do this. Absolutely. And I, I do need to say one of the things that surprised me when I moved here, 17, well,